Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now we bring you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. A lot of stuff that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be talking about Kevin Feige making some comments in regards to the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and what the next saga might be in store after the Infinity One. And then, of course, I'm going to be talking about Guy Ritchie directing another Disney live-action remake that's set to come out in the next few years. But the first thing that I do want to talk about on the podcast today, as I like to do when I have one on Monday, is go over the weekend box office. And we're in the thick of the summer movie season right now. We've had a bunch of big blockbusters come out over the last couple weeks from Top Gun Maverick to Jurassic World Dominion. Now, this past weekend, we moved over from the live-action side and moved on over to the animation side. And for the first time since March of 2020, we have a full feature-length Pixar film coming to the big screen in Lightyear, which was a spin-off from the Toy Story franchise. You had Chris Evans voicing the role of this new iteration of Buzz Lightyear. So this was definitely the Pixar film that Disney and the animation studio wanted to put on their summer docket as they like to kind of go big and whatever film they have confidence in, they usually like to place it in the summer movie season. And that this year was Lightyear. And unfortunately, when it comes to the box office, it didn't do that well when it comes to uh, performing to what the expectations were for the weekend. And over the last couple weeks, we've been having some incredible runs at the box office. Again, we'll talk about it a little bit for what Top Gun Maverick did. Jurassic World Dominion had a 142 to 145 million dollar opening weekend. When you take when you take into account the actuals that it did from the Monday morning of its opening weekend, and so this weekend I think people were excited to see what if Lightyear, especially with Pixar, could bring that back into the forefront and really have and showcase animation started to really get back onto the rise when it comes to the family theme and the family market and demographic coming back in droves to the box office is and unfortunately that was not the case as instead of Lightyear coming in at number one at the box office it did come in at number two and reigning as the box office king of this weekend for its second straight weekend was Jurassic World Dominion which grossed another 58.6 million dollars at the box office and now has 249 million dollars domestically 372 million dollars internationally for a worldwide total as of right now at 62 at 622 million dollars at the box office so it seems right now for Jurassic World Dominion to be very well on its way to being one of the first few of the billion dollar hits so far in this pandemic era. As of right now, we only have one big hit in that billion dollar stretch right now with Spider-Man No Way Home coming out towards the tail end of last year. And But there are a few contenders coming out right now, and it seems like Jurassic World Dominion is certainly one of them. And even the, the craziest thing about this, though, for this weekend, and this goes into light year, is that Jurassic World Dominion, only if it fell the amount, the percentage that you would expect these big blockbusters to do that's not named Top Gun Maverick. It took the annual 60% or so nosedive from opening weekend to its its second weekend at around 60%. So it did what it was not supposed to do, but it did what it was expected when it comes to these kinds of movies. And still, it still performed well at the box office to take the number one spot. And then, of course, coming in number two was Disney Pixar's Lightyear, which only only grossed $51 million at the box office. Overall, it has around $34 
million internationally for a worldwide total of $85.6 million. And when we look at Lightyear, First, to take into the take the positive into account with this, it is the highest-grossing animated film of the pandemic era, more so than the Bad Guys, more so than any other animated film to come out so far within this window, and it took overtook Onward, which was the last Disney Pixar animated film to really fully hit the big screen for that studio, which made around thirty-nine or so million dollars at the box office. So Lightyear is already doing well on that front. However, it did fall below even studio expectations, which Disney, for the most part, really likes to play conservative. And for the most part, because they play conservative, nine times out of 10, they over exceed expectations when it comes to their opening weekend performance. It didn't even perform up to that level. And usual box office prognosticators had this at around 75 to $80 million for the three-day weekend. They didn't even hit that mark either. Even the fact that it had an A- cinema score, which for an animated film, you do want to get to the A range. That would create more buzz and word of mouth. But certainly an A- isn't anything to sneeze at. It's still a very good cinema score when it comes to the out look of what cinema score is able to do where if you get even a, a b or a b minus that's not a, a great outlook for the legs of a movie but for for light year an a minus isn't too shabby especially given t- into consideration that this is a spin-off of the, the buzz Lightyear character that everybody knows from the main to- toy story storyline in which it's voiced by tim allen and this is very much a different scenario so the fact that it still did this money but it didn't perform expectations. I think a lot of people are going to be wondering what went wrong for this movie for its opening weekend. Why did it perform the way that it did? And I think there's a litany of reasons for it. The first one is I think that what was the excitement level for this movie? I know I was looking forward to it. It was my most anticipated film for the month of June. But other than that, I I, I, I liked the trailers that were coming out for it. It wasn't on my most anticipated for this year, but again, I liked the character. I liked the the promos that they were pulling for it. I'm a big Chris Evans, Chris Evans fan, so I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do with this. I was interested in seeing it and, and excited, but not overtly excited uh, looking forward to this movie. And even though we're still kind of in this pandemic window right now, even looking back to what Toy Story 4 did in 2019, it didn't have that kind of big blockbuster anticipation feel to it where you mark down when that Pixar film is coming and you go in to see that film in droves. And when looking at the performance of Lightyear, when I went to go see it this weekend, and I'll have my review up in, in, in a few days, I was really interested. I, I thought for a sec when I was in the theater, it seemed pretty packed. There were a bunch of families there, kids with their moms and dads. It's Father's Day weekend. I thought for sure that this film would be able to pull in that kind of money. But when you look at the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday individual grosses, it outperformed Jurassic World Dominion very well on Friday. But then Saturday and Sunday, it took a, it took a little bit of a dip, whereas Jurassic World Dominion really kind of, of trended upward in the last two days of this week. So it very much seemed like the initial buzz for Lightyear, people that really wanted to go see it, saw it on Thursday and Friday, but then didn't really go see it on Saturday and Sunday. And it just seems like there just wasn't that level of anticipation 
for this movie. And that also goes into the marketing of the film. Again, the fact that this is a spinoff, did that really take, uh, was that really a big influence on people that this wasn't the same character, wasn't the same voice? Did that have a, a big factor to play in this film? And also, I think the biggest, one of the biggest factors, if not the biggest for me, is the fact that I think for Lightyear, and I think for what we're in right now in this in this pandemic era, even though films such as Sing 2 have been done really, really well, the bad guys did really well at the box office, not smash hits, but surprise good hits that you need to showcase that the family demographic is slowly starting to go back to theaters. And I think for a lot of people, including myself, I think we overestimated how big the demographic is right now in terms of, of coming back to the theaters like the big blockbusters fairs have done over the last couple of weeks with Maverick and Dominion. We've been seeing that if for the for the right film for big blockbusters that need to be seen in theaters, people will go out to see them. And is it the case that maybe the family market is being a little bit more cautious in terms of saving for the right film to go see? Because again, with this one, it isn't a character per se that you're familiar were familiar with. Whereas if you were to wait a weekend or two on July first weekend, really July fourth weekend. Minions, The Rise of Gru is coming out in that film. The, the characters are very familiar. It's very much more akin to kids, and kids are, are very familiar with the Minions. Our family saving up for that movie. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that film performs over the July 4th of the weekend to see if it really was just a case of people didn't want to go see this movie, or is the family market still kind of slowly but surely getting back to the theaters and they're a little, a little bit more cautious, and it's, it's not so much a gradual approach it's going to be more of a, a wait and see pick them kind of films of which family what films people families are going to go see throughout the next year or so so i think that's something to watch out for and i think that's very much a reason for what attributed to why this film didn't do so well is maybe because the family market isn't back to what we thought it was going to be once we had these incremental steps and we were looking for a light year to be that big leap going forward with that specific demographic and then kind of speaking about families going back to theaters our family Families conditioned now, especially with Pixar films, to wait until they come out on Disney Plus. Because the big thing about Lightyear wasn't just the fact that it's it's a spinoff from Toy Story. It's got an iconic character in Buzz Lightyear. But it was, again, like I said before, it was also the fact that this is the first Pixar film since Onward in March of 2020, pre-pandemic, to fully go on the big screen, exclusively on the big screen. Whereas the last three films from Pixar, from Soul to Luca to Turning Red, were exclusively on Disney+. And, and unlike what the streaming service did for Black Widow, or even specifically looking at some of the other strategies that some of the other studios are utilizing with these films in particular disney didn't do it with marvel they only did it with black widow they did in day day release on on streaming and in theaters even with some of their own disney animated films they did day and date release where it was streaming and in theaters as well with pixar it was just straight up on disney plus so our our families our consumers kind of of of, of rewired at this point to watch these films on disney plus and expect them on that date as well so i think that could also 
be a reason for this, which is a shame because, again, I think if there's one studio from the Disney company that has gotten kind of short-rifted from this, it is Pixar. The fact that they didn't get a day and date release for any of their films while a film like Ryan the Last Dragon last year got a full day and date release on Disney Plus, at theaters at least, Pixar didn't even get that courtesy with even something like Turning Red. You can understand even with something like Soul, straight to Disney Plus, it was in the holiday time of 2020 pandemic was raging at that point that's understandable even luke a little bit pandemic understandable but i think with turning red people started to see well we're turning the corner a little bit with the pandemic a little bit people are starting to go back to their daily routines go outside go and do activities again without worrying about this the fact that turning red went too straight to disney plus that's where i think people started to raise an eyebrow a little bit more and I think with with Lightyear, that could very well be attributed to that factor as well. So I think another big question going forward is for Pixar's next film, which is Elemental, which is as of right now exclusively going to theaters right now next year. Is that going to be a case where people are just conditioned to get Pixar films in, in, in on Disney Plus? And now the studio is going to have to rewire audience members to once again go see these films on the big screen. So I'm very curious to see how that all comes together. And I think another point and the last one that I want to make, and this is kind of a a, a, a net uh, a net positive in a way, where could it possibly be that there are just a lot of blockbusters in theaters right now and people are more focused on seeing Top Gun Maverick again or they're, mo- fo- they're more focused on seeing Jurassic World Dominion for the second or first time in theaters. And again, because of everything economically, economically going on in the country right now, are people kind of saving their dollar and being more kind of deliberate in what they want to go see in theaters right now? And the fact that we have multiple blockbusters in theaters for people to see has not happened in a long time because especially the last year or so with the pandemic, when we've started to slowly get more big budgeted films back in theaters, one big film will come out and there would be a month before we get another big film. Whereas these last couple weeks, sure, there was a little bit of a gap between Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and Top Gun Maverick, but between Top Gun Maverick and then Jurassic World Dominion, it was only a week between each one of them. So we're getting all these films coming out in theaters right now. So maybe people are starting to see that there's more of a variety to choose from right now, that people are going to be a little bit more cautious of what they utilize their dollar for when they go to the theaters. And so again, I think that's more of a of a positive than a negative that we are getting studios feel more comfortable putting their films up against these other blockbusters right now. And I wouldn't have put Jurassic World Dominion against Lightyear, even in a pre-pandemic situation. And some people, especially our good friend over at Fandango, Eric Davis, pointed it out yesterday when reporting on the box office that in 2018, when Incredibles was coming out, Incredibles 2 in June, and the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was coming out as well, that Pixar waited for Jurassic World Dominion 2, or actually came out before then, and then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out, and so they got ahead of the curb, got the money that they could before Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came into place, and ate up that market that they kind of covet to as well, whereas in this case, they waited for Dominion to come out, and now they're hoping to kind of get the family market to come to them as well, and also, another point that I think hurt them as well is the fact that they had to share premium formatted screens with Jurassic World Dominion this weekend, because I think when you look at the fact that Top Gun Maverick 
had IMAX theaters, Adobe theaters for two weeks and then seceded those to Jurassic World Dominion. I think the fact that Lightyear only has matinee, early afternoon, afternoon to evening showtimes, and then the primetime showtimes go to Jurassic World Dominion, I think that hurts them a little bit as well as they weren't able to kind of earn that top dollar. And Dominion was able to kind of take advantage of that. And I think that's another big reason for why Jurassic World was able to come out as the number one spot overall. But I just think when you look at at all the things that I listed out from the excitement of the film, was it there? The fact that this was a spinoff, the marketing for the film, did it come across to audiences? The family market in terms of demographics, are families actually more comfortable going to the theaters now or is it still a wait and see approach and and, and a film by film basis? which is going to be very fascinating to see how Minions 2 does in the next couple of weeks. Pixar films going to Disney Plus is our audience's condition to wait for films on Disney Plus on the streaming service to get these kinds of films. And also the fact that Again, more of a, of, of a net positive is that the fact that we have multiple blockbusters in theaters right now, the reason for why maybe audience members are a little bit more cautious and are, and are being a little bit more, more strategic in the way that they go see movies of seeing one or two films and then waiting for something else to come out in the next couple of weeks as well. So I think those are the big reasons for why Lightyear might have underperformed at the box office right now. So again, coming in at number two, especially for a Pixar film, very rare to see. They usually do very very, very well at the box office and they're usually the top dog no matter what. But again, for Lightyear, we'll see how it does in the next couple of weeks. Again, there's nothing going up against it this weekend. There is a big film coming out in Elvis, but that's not going to take away from, I think, a lot of people within the same kind of demographic that Lightyear is trying to attract towards. Again, the week that they have to be concerned about, and I think we'll, all eyes will be looking towards it now, especially with the, with the performance of this weekend for the film is what Minion, Minions, The Rise of Groot does on its opening weekend, July 4th weekend, holiday weekend. How does it do? I think that's going to be very interesting to see as well. So we'll go, we'll see where it goes from here. But again, Lightyear coming in number two at this weekend's box office. Then coming in at number three is Top Gun Maverick, which has held so incredibly well. It has grossed $44 million this past weekend and now has $466 million domestically. It is now the highest grossing film domestically of two. 2022. It has $419 million internationally for a worldwide total of $885 million worldwide at the box office. That is good for number two at the box office worldwide of this year overall. And in the next week or two, it very well could become the highest grossing film of this year, surpassing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which has around 950 or so million dollars and could potentially make its way towards a billion dollars at the box office. But again, like I was saying before, the very impressive marking for this weekend, just as it did from its first weekend, a second weekend where it had one of the biggest and not the, the smallest drops in box office history at around 29% is that it only did around 15% die from weekend three to weekend four. And it's only going to get better from here. And that is another history book hold for the film as it is the third best fourth weekend for any movie after American Sniper did $89 million. It's fourth weekend after being limited releases during the holiday corridor when it came out. It came out more wide in its third, fourth weekend. So that's why it kind of opened up the way it did. And of course, the big one that I think people are going to be comparing it to more so than American Sniper is that it held around the same time or around the same length as Avatar. 
Avatar did on its fourth weekend, where, again, we all know, or if you know the box office history for Avatar, you know that er- the, the, the strength of that movie was the way that it was able to hold that number one spot at the box office for basically almost two months straight at the end of 2009 to the beginning of the new decade in 2010. So it seems like Top Gun Maverick is doing those kinds of numbers right now. And again, it's on pace to potentially become, if, or unless Jurassic World Dominion somehow does well in the next couple of weeks, which I still think it's going to get a billion dollars. But I think Top Gun Maverick is going to get to that mark first. It'll become the first ever billion dollar film for Tom Cruise. It'll become the highest grossing film in 2022. The, only the second movie of the pandemic era alongside Spider-Man No Way Home to hit the billion dollar mark. This is truly one of the biggest box office stories, even in pre-pandemic eras in the last couple of years. So the fact that it's doing these kinds of numbers right now, it showcases that people still really want to go see this film. It has the repeat viewing. It has the big screen audience crowd pleasing moments that people want to see. It's one of the best films to go see on Father's Day. Of course, you get that get that male counterpart going out there. I was checking my local AMC, and judging just from the last couple showings of yesterday on Sunday night, there were a lot more packed theaters for Top Gun Maverick than even Jurassic World Dominion and, and Lightyear. So it shows the hold and the magnetism that that film is able to kind of just retain is just absolutely incredible. So... Again, I'm going to try to have Eric Davis on the podcast towards the end of the summer, but he predicted that Top Gun Maverick would be talking about at the end of the summer. We're halfway through it right now, and it seems like Top Gun Maverick is not slowing down anytime soon, and it's probably going to be one of the biggest stories, not just of the summer, but definitely of 2022 as a whole. So it's going to be exciting to see how that film continues to do in the next couple of weeks as well. Then coming in at number four is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which grossed another $4.2 million at the box office. In terms of totals, it right now domestically has $405 million at the box office. Internationally, it has $537 million internationally for a worldwide total of $942 million worldwide at the box office. So again, right now, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is the highest grossing film of 2022, but I think within the next week or so, even just a matter of days, that could very well not be the case, and this could become the second highest grossing film of the year right now worldwide. But still, again, a great total for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I think this is a great tally for a Doctor Strange film, period, especially Especially when you look at the jump from the first Doctor Strange of 2016 to this one, you see the increase in popularity in the character, in the material that Multiverse of Madness was covering. I think it's all there. And even though it didn't hit a billion dollars, still, I still think this is a great win for Marvel Studios in general. So that was the number three, or excuse me, the number four spot in the box office, rounding out the top, top five of this year, this weekend. Coming in at number five, once again, was the Bob's Burgers movie, which grossed another $1.1 million at the box office, and it did $29 million domestically, $2 million internationally, for a worldwide total of $31 million at the box office, and then rounding out the bottom half of the top ten, coming at number six, was The Bad Guys, which grossed another $980,000, and now has $94 million domestically. Basically, $142 million internationally for a worldwide total of $236 million. Again, not gangbusters numbers for this film, but for a movie that I don't think a lot of people had their radar on their radar, I think it did very well for itself and was a modest hit in this year. And then coming at number seven 
once again was everything everywhere all at once with another $959,000 at the box office and now has $64 million domestically, $21 million internationally for a worldwide total of $86 million at the box office. And with that total, it is now the highest grossing film in the history of A24 at the worldwide box office and now has both it holds both the domestic and worldwide records of being the highest grossing film from A24. Then coming in at number six, or excuse me, not number six, but number eight from the number six spot was Down Abbey A New Era, which grossed another $830,000 at the box office and now has $42 million domestically. Internationally, it has $45 million for a worldwide total of $87 million. Then coming in at number nine was Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with $228,000 for a total of $190 million domestically at the box office, $209 million internationally for a worldwide total of $399 million at the box office. And then rounding out the top 10 this weekend was one of the more limited releases only at 279 theaters around the country was the indie film Brian and Charles, which grossed a total of $198,000 at the box office. It has not been released internationally, so its worldwide total is the same as as its domestic total with $198,000. So that will do it for the top 10 at this weekend's box office. And going from 10 to 1, coming in number 10 was Brian and Charles. Number 9 was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Number 8 was Downton Abbey A New Era. Number 7 was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number 6 was The Bad Guys. Number 5 was The Bob's Burgers Movie. Number 4 was Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Number three was Top Gun Maverick. Number two was the newcomer of the weekend in Lightyear. And then reigning in at the number one spot once again were the dinosaurs of Jurassic World Dominion at the number one spot, grossing again another $58 million at the box office. So once again, what do you guys think about this weekend's box office? What do you think was the true reason or one of the reasons for why Lightyear did not perform above the expectations that people had for it this weekend? Are you going to go check out Lightyear in the next couple of weeks or are you going to save your money for minions or something else coming down the line like a thor love and thunder or where the crawdads sing or something else coming as well let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts now moving on from the box office recap to some movie news that is happening around the industry right now and the first thing that i want to talk about is the the future of the marvel cinematic universe and Really over the last year or so, including Miss Marvel, we're at 12 installments in phase four of the MCU. We're well about two years or really now three years removed since Avengers Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home rounded out the Infinity Saga of the MCU. And again, on a lot of people's minds, the question is, in true fashion for Marvel, what's next? And we we have had... Disney Plus shows, we've had movies, and we've gotten some inklings of what's to come. Could it be something with scrolls? Could it be a multiversal event like we've been hinting at with No Way Home, Loki, What If, and, and Multiverse of Madness? Or could it be something else? Because, again, at, at this point, with Phase 1, we were leading to the Avengers, the first Avengers movie. With Phase 2, it was kind of continuing the stories and leading up to something like an Age of Ultron. And then, of course, it was all of that leading up to both Infinity War and Endgame. And so with this, with Phase 4 so far, we've been introduced to multiple different areas, but we don't seem to have a full idea of what is what we're leading up to. What could be the thing that Kevin Feige and his aces over at at Marvel Studios have up their sleeves right now. Well, according to Kevin Feige, 
we may getting we may be getting some answers sooner rather than later. And this comes from us over at Total Film and Games Radar, who have a exclusive cover story in the lead up to the new Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Thor Love and Thunder. And included in that was Kevin Feige, the master himself, talking about when we could be getting some news about Phase 4 and Phase 5 and beyond for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is what he had to say, according to the magazine. As we're nearing the end of Phase 4, I think people will start to see where this next saga is going. I think there have been many clues already that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going, but we'll be a little bit more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more of the roadmap. And that again comes from us from Total Film and Games Radar, who had the quote from Kevin Feige. And as Hannibal would say from the the A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together. And I think that is exactly what we're going to be getting soon with Kevin Feige and Marvel. Because again, we're so accustomed to them seeing, okay, this is a part of a bigger plan. We're going to be getting something down the line. And I always kind of caution people. And, and Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel also did this too. And the Russo brothers admitted it where even though it seemed like they always have a plan, they, when they did the Avengers and they introduced Thanos and they did all these movies, they didn't have a clear-cut idea from the very beginning of this is what we're going to be leading to. It changed after a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we get the same thing where we get something, but maybe it changes as, as time goes. And whenever Kevin Feige does these Phase 4 or Phase 3 announcements, these slates, they evolve over time. So I think that's what we could be getting as well. But it seems very much like they have an idea for where things want to go. And I think for a lot of people, what they suspect it to be, and it makes all the sense in the world, and I would agree with them, is that this is very much leading up to potentially a Secret Wars adaptation from the comic books that we got. And, and I'm not the biggest comic person in the world, so if somebody on, on, who listens to the podcast knows anything about Secret Wars, definitely let me know. But what I know about Secret Wars, it is definitely in the multiversal lineage of what Marvel is doing right now and it's about this multiversal war with all these different variants and different versions of people that kind of come through and fight this fight and it could, that could be very well what we're leading to but it could be something else as well. I think what we're going to be getting with Marvel moving forward and I've said this to people is I think we're going to be getting little kind of tiny team ups as we continue on and we're going to get kind of these big event team ups at the same time I think Young Avengers is in the works I think we could be getting something along the lines of of maybe a West Coast Avengers and then of course the big thing could very well be the lead up to something like a, a Secret Wars but We'll have to wait and see when this happens. And of course, the big question is going to be, when are we going to get this news now that it's been teased? Is it going to be at San Diego Comic-Con? I don't think it will be because Marvel has said that they are not going to be doing any kind of panel at San Diego Comic-Con. So the next logical explanation is that they announce a bunch of new things at D23. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. They have a full slate, a full panel set for them in early September to kind of go over everything. And I think that's when we're going to get a lot of this news. And I think it's going to be very much like the El Capitan performance that they so famously put on in 2014, where they laid the initial phase three slate that introduced us to the end game of Infinity War and, and Avengers Endgame and all that stuff as well. 
I think very much that is what we're going to be getting at the same time with D23 as well. So I think if they're going to put on a show, they're going to give us something entertaining. And if there's one thing that Kevin Feige always knows how to do with these things is to put on a show. It's to give us something to be entertained with along with giving us all this information as well. So I think that's what makes Kevin Feige Kevin Feige. He's able to kind of be this Steve Jobs kind of person when interacting with an audience with with a room full of people at the same time. So I think we're going to be getting that at D23. He's never really done that at at that event. He's done it at San Diego Comic-Con. They did it at the El Capitan in 2014. So I think he's going to give that to them, especially kind of this is the first D23 event since 2019 before the pandemic hit. They haven't had one in the last two, two and a half years or so. So I think it would make sense for them to do it on a company event, give the people what they want. And I think that's what we're going to get this time around as well. I mean, he said it at CinemaCon where he was going to a, a, a retreat to kind of map out the next 10 years of the MCU, which is going to take us to past 2030 or so. So we'll see where this is going to go, but I'm very excited for what they're going to do. I'm also very excited to see not just the, the the future future stuff, but more of the immediate future, specifically what's going to happen next year, especially with Disney Plus shows, because we know that at least right now, we're going to be getting Ant-Man Quantumania in 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the Marvels in 2023. And so I'm very excited to see next year what, what are the order for Disney Plus shows? Are we going to be getting Secret Invasions next year? Ironheart. Armor Wars. I want to hear more stuff about that as well, because I remember when it was announced at D20, or not D23, but the Disney Investor Day, I was very much looking forward to that stuff. And so I'm hoping to hear more about it in when that actually, when D23 actually happens. And who knows, maybe we don't get it at D23. Maybe they do something like they did in 2014, where they have just a whole event where they know their Marvel Studios. They can drop news on any day of the week, and it'll be covered wall to wall for the rest of the day. So we'll see what happens. But I trust when Kevin Feige says we're going to be getting news soon. Again, he has a plan. It seems like his 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 his. I was going to say cohorts, but basically his staff, his executive board, all have an idea for where they're going from here. And I'm very excited to kind of see where when they lay out certain things that are going to be coming and where this is leading to. Maybe it'll make us kind of go back to the other stuff that has come before and kind of rethink about it a little bit more in different ways than we thought of before because there's, again, just been so much speculation that we don't know where everything is going. I think for the first time in, in, in Marvel's history, we haven't had an idea where things are going. Everything's just kind of been new stuff, cool stuff, old stuff, new characters, older characters. Where are we going with this? And I think this is kind of what we're in a we're, we're in a dead zone at this point. We don't know. But I think, again, like Kevin Feige was saying, it's going to become very clear of where we're going with this in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited about that and excited to see where all things are going to go for that presentation. So what do you guys think about what Kevin Feige said about Phase 5 and beyond for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that we're going to be getting more information sooner rather than later? Let me know what you think about that down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today is something that came out over the weekend and it was announced according to Deadline that Guy Ritchie himself is going to be taking on a brand new live action remake of a Disney animated film that came out during the Renaissance years. And it's not Aladdin 2 right now. It's not, it is none other than the one and only Hercules himself, which is said to be produced by AGBO, which of course 
if you know the, the, the world of Hollywood, if you know that production company, that is the one that is owned by the one and only Russo brothers. So they are behind the producing cohorts of this film. And again, this is a non-surprising move, especially coming off of the success of Aladdin back in 2019, because when that film was announced and you look at Guy Ritchie, who helped Aladdin gross a billion dollars at the box office in 2019 to everybody's surprise of how well that film did financially that Guy Ritchie doing one of these Disney animated films where it's going to be music and, and, and a kid's film. When you think about Guy Ritchie, you don't think about that stuff. You think about films that he's done in in the past, like the Sherlock Holmes films, or you look at what he's done with, with Jason Statham, like in Wrath of the Man or Wrath of Man, or what he did with The Gentleman back in 2020 before the pandemic. He makes very little adult-driven kind of films that aren't very childish. They're not for little girls or little boys to go see. They're for young adults, teenagers to kind of go experience those films if they want to, but not not young kids. And so for him to go from that and transition to Aladdin and the Disney world, it was a very interesting an interesting test for him, a very interesting jump from one, from one place to another. And overall, I think he did a really good job with Aladdin. He added his own little flavors in there of what we know Guy Ritchie to do as a director, but he stuck very much to the formula, and I think he delivered very well on an Aladdin film. And so it would make sense for why the Russo brothers would see that. Maybe they have a relationship with Guy Ritchie. Disney obviously likes him for what he was able to do and making them a ton of money with Aladdin a few years ago. That they would want him to take on this story. And I think this is very ripe for a live action retelling. I mean, again, I know people don't really like these films, that they seem redundant and you already have the classics. Why would you do these? And again, I think for the most part, about eight to nine times out of 10, more so eight out of 10 times, these films are actually pretty good and they make a lot of money for the studio. So it makes sense for them to keep wanting to keep them going no matter what. And I think for Guy Ritchie, I think he can bring some interesting new dynamics to the Hercules story. Story. I think he can bring his the, what the, the talent that he has, his his style, but also kind of deliver a really cool musical film as well. Because this isn't so much a music. Uh, actually, let me take that back. This is very much the, Hercules the Disney film is a musical. It has songs in there, but I think they're done in a, a unique way that. I think it can be very interesting, and I'm very curious to see what Guy Ritchie could do with this. I'm confident with the Russo brothers behind it as well that this could be something fun and entertaining. So I'm all for it, and I, and I like seeing Guy Ritchie do this. I, I he's still doing his own things as well, so if he can do both and 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 go from one to the other and and weave in and out of this stuff, I'm all for it. So I, I'm interested in seeing what he does with this. He has experience with it. He has a track record. It's worked for him. So it does not surprise me that Disney and the Russo brothers would want him back into the fold with this stuff. So what do you guys think about Guy Ritchie taking over the Hercules film for the Russo brothers and Disney? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Public SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, make sure to check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and 
customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, make sure to check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, WrestleMania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Bissell Samuel. That's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. And also on Facebook at Sam Bissell. Also, you check out my, my YouTube channel at The Sam Bissell Podcast. And also, if you want to check out some other awesome things that are happening on the Podcast Solutions, I was just on the Talking with Terrorshock podcast. And my good friend Will and I, who's the, the owner of the Amigos Podcast Solutions, kind of reminisced about our time at, at Hofstra working at the screening room and kind of where we are now and talking about film and TV and movies and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you want to check that out, go to the Talking with Terrorshock podcast YouTube page to find all those clips and so much much more as well and i'll be posting alongside with him on some awesome stuff that we talked about and covered over the next couple days and weeks as well so definitely be on the lookout for that stuff as well and once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in and until next time keep on screening